0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Now it's Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more. Presented by the Majestic Grill. Rediscover downtown dining. Chris Harrington on 929's Jeff Cockins Show.
1: And joins me now,
2: Chris, what are we listening to? <clears> That's <throat> uh, Is This It, the title track to the first album from The Strokes, um, in honor of the Grizzlies' pursuit of their first win of the season tonight in Salt Lake City.
1: Tonight in Salt Lake City, Luke Kennard is back. Uh, Derek Rose out with knee soreness. So uh, let's take take those real quickly. So without Derek Rose, what do they do at point guard?
2: I suspect they toggle uh, Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain, and you always have one of the two on the floor. Um, they could, you know, give G- Jacob Gilliard some minutes if he went on the trip. I-, I assume he probably did since the G League season hasn't started. And he was, I think, surprisingly good in the preseason. I think I think the Grizzlies themselves were a little surprised how good he was in the preseason. So maybe they give him a look. But it feels like, you know, while they're pursuing their first win, Taylor Jenkins' instinct right. is to tighten the rotation, not extend the rotation. So I think you'll get you know smart and bane one of the two always on the floor, and Canard having Canard back makes that a lot easier to, to do.
1: And Canard back pushes who yeah. out
2: of the rotation? Derrick Rose because he's not available, said, right. so it's, it's, it's just, just, it's it's just, just a, you're just,
1: just moving people around,
2: right? I mean, exactly. you'd like you'd like to have both, but it's a it's a positive swap assuming that Luke Canard can make shots. That's the thing about Canard. I mean, we saw an opening night; he's not making shots. He's not helping you, right? But so like you know, but his history is that he makes shots. So let's let's hope he's making shots.
1: Yeah, it's um, – I think there is a do- – you know, with, with Luke, it, 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 the fact that he wasn't making shots, didn't make him in preseason, and didn't make him in the one game we saw him, um, even in his return. We're like, let's hope he comes back and he is uh, the Luke Kennard uh, who can help. What are they going to be um, – what are they going to be seeing in Utah? It is interesting, looking at that roster – it just kind of feels like it really is too bad they were good last year, right? I mean, they, yeah yeah, you know, uh, where are they headed?
2: I, I, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, you know, are they trying to build through the draft, in which case, like, like, last year, like, did not necessarily work in their favor? Although it seems like they may have, like, drafted well. And this guard, they got Keontae George, you know, I think right. in the middle of the first round has looked really good in preseason and looked pretty good off the bench. And so maybe they found something there. I think they're just going to try to develop their talent and trade into stuff. That's what I think they're going to do. But I think at the moment their backcourt's kind of a mess. Jordan Clarkson should be a six man, not your right. not your lead guard. And I don't know why they're starting Taylor Horton Tucker, who I think is like probably their fourth or fifth best guard. And you know there is talent there, and they have a good coach, and um, you're on the road, and like you know I, I don't know. I mean, given the Grizzlies' struggles, it's probably a toss-up game. Right. But but I don't think the Jazz are particularly good.
1: Utah is technically favored and uh and it is obviously in Utah. So they got two centers. You got any interest in Kelly Olenek?
2: Yeah, but you, you get into the same issues of like you can't just like, you know, I like that guy, give me that guy. Like you have <laughs> I to know, get into the like the know, I mean, of what it would require, like, how it would happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like to match a contract there, you're gonna have to include either Luke Kennard, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark, or Stephen Adams. If you're trading, you know, a Zaire Williams or a Luke Kennard in that deal, you're sort of like, you know, are you're making yourself better. You're sort of giving the get a little bit. Right. And if you're dealing Brandon Clark or Steven Adams, why, why is Utah doing that? So you, so what are you having to pay in addition to that just to match the contracts? And so I, I've always liked Kelly Olenek. Um, I've always liked him sort of for the Grizzlies. I kind of like the idea of him and Jaron playing together. Yeah, But I don't. So yeah, he would be on my list of guys I'm interested in, depending on how what the mechanisms are to make that
1: happen. Um, I do think there is some internal pressure just to get a to get a win. I and mean, we saw like Taylor Jenkins obviously shrank the rotation at the end of last night, the last game. Um, right. It, I mean, you you said it the other day, in pursuit of the first win. You do wonder once they get the first win, will he relax a little? Will he relax the rotation? Or are we going to see? this level of spackling through, you know, till, till reinforcements.
2: I mean, he basically played a seven and a half person rotation in the second half half of that game against Dallas. Like Derek Rose got just sort of some spot minutes. Right. Like, I don't think, I I think they're going to revert away from that at some point. You know, I I do think that was clearly a response to the pressure or trying to like get, get, get off the snide. And so, you know, I, I think that pressure is there. And I think, you know, they're going to be fighting uphill probably the rest of the season in terms of playoff positioning. But I don't think they're going to be playing, like, seven-man rotation for right. the rest of the season in desperation. So, you know, we'll see. Uh,
1: and then Santi, we hope, comes back on this road trip uh, No, and there's no news, no update on him. He's still day-to-day. Uh, and so there you go. Um, all right. Other news, Chris. Uh, your piece, by the way, from yesterday—I've tweeted it out again. People can read it, but we covered most of what you went over um, yesterday. This will be the last game, right? Without Bismack, without without Bismack Biombo, this is game five, and so now they will be. and Do we presume they'll sign him tomorrow? I presume they'll sign him tomorrow. Whether they play him on Friday,
2: that's a separate question. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know when he he will appear in a game for the Grizzlies, but he should appear on the roster um, tomorrow.
1: Um, all right, what um, looking around the rest of the league, <clears throat> anything strike you? Are you ready to put San Antonio uh, uh, in their uh, I don't know where, what their over under was, but do you, can you imagine San Antonio being a playoff contender or a play-in contender anyway? Well, I mean, I think play-in contender is like you know at that point if you're talking about <laughs> right. like not
2: not making the play-in but being a play-in right. contender you're talking about being like the 12th best team in a 15 team conference at that point. Right. So sure, sure. but I, I don't I don't think you're going to see San Antonio as one of the eight teams in the playoffs. I doubt you see them as one of the 10 teams in the postseason. Um, I'm a little unclear how, how that happened last night. I turned on a little bit of that game and the the stretch I watched uh, they were down by 17 and. Victor Whitman-Yana was 0 for 5 from the floor and turned the ball over like three possessions in a row. And so I went to bed and I woke up and, and they had won that game. Um, I think they can definitely be better than expected. But I don't, again, the backcourt problems. sort of like Utah. Like I just, I think it's hard to, to win in the NBA without decent guards. And I just don't, I'm mean, trying to start Jeremy Sohan at point guard right now. And I, I don't. I, I would, I'll be surprised if they are even in the play-in.
1: Right, the teams right now—it's interesting. I mean, you know, whatever. It's three games in. It's four games in. It's you know, whatever. It's 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 the the wins and losses at this point are fundamentally meaningless. It is interesting though. They're at the bottom.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With
1: LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, And I would imagine that certainly at least until job returns, you can easily imagine that the bottom of the West will be Utah, Portland, Houston, and Memphis, right?
2: Oh, we'll see.
1: I I, I don't I, I I don't. I'll be surprised if the Grizzlies are not ahead of Utah and no, in and that order. Houston, those four and some and collection. In the, no, I mean well, in, Portland. Yeah, no, in that collection as as the bottom. I don't mean in that order, but I mean in the those presumably will be. No, but but I'm saying I I, I sort of I feel like by the time Jaws back Grizzlies will have separated themselves from that group. I I, I, I,
2: I don't. I, I, I think Utah and Port. I'm sorry, Houston and Portland to me are, are the bottom of the West. Um, and I, I Utah, San Antonio, I just have a hard time seeing it. And so a, at the least, I would expect the Orlando to have separated themselves from Houston and Portland by that see. point.
1: Right. Uh, anything else strike you? Jalen Dern is tearing it up in Detroit. That's interesting. Um,
2: yeah, I like Jalen Duran. The the one fantasy league I'm still in, I, I secured Jalen Duran. He is part of my team. He's a member of She Called Her Goons. <laughs> um, so he he's he, that's worked out well for me so far. I always like Jalen Duran as an NBA prospect when when I saw him at Memphis, and so um, I think he's going to be really good.
1: He's been tremendous, and um, I mean, I think he slid just because he's a center, right? Like he's a center, and centers. It's funny, like that Memphis yeah, I, would kill I mean, for I a don't, center. It'll,
2: it'll, did he slide? I can't even remember, like, you know, at what point, like, a player's – once the right. draft itself was there on draft day – Then he didn't bit, slide, no,
1: no. Yeah. I, I think there was some feeling – maybe maybe this is just the intersection of Memphis Tiger fandom imagined him as a sort of top six pick, and then he – but, yeah, he's a he was a center. But what's interesting, in addition to the rebounding well,
2: – he, he went lower than Mark. He went a little bit – he went a spot lower than Mark Williams. He did. And I, I – yeah, so I think I, I think I remember I liked Duran more – um, and certainly Durant has been better, although Mark Williams has been okay. But, yeah, that certainly looks like a good pick for, for, for Detroit,
1: who I think moved up to, to do it, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. He's passing the ball well, too, which is, uh, you know, I figured he'd be a good rebounder. I think he's leading the league in dunks, but he's, um, he's also, whatever, averaging three assists a game or something, like he's three or four assists a game. So he's passing the ball uh, as well. Uh, yeah, anything else from around the league particularly?
2: Well, I mean, we just had you know the big trade, so we'll we'll see how right. how 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 that shakes out. Um, I, I think you know, a weekend. I mean, Denver and Boston look like everything that everyone expects them to be, and so it feels like you know. I, I still think Milwaukee, who I picked to make the finals, that once you get to the playoffs, if you're healthy, you know, ha, you know, at the highest level, I still I'm leaning that direction. But in terms of regular season, it looks like you know. We've begun our Denver-Boston collision course.
1: Right. Uh, uh, by, by the way, folks may not know this. Evidently, as part of the fallout from that trade, Danny Green has been or will be waived. Um, and so that was part so there of
2: There you go. It's not too late to pick him up and put a biombo.
1: <laughs> not too late to pick him up and have him be add, a good add, add More veteran leadership. It's more veteran leadership. Um, and then in terms of the Clippers, Like Gabe was asking me, he said, "Well, does this get them into the this elevate them into true contender status in the West? Like, is this going to get them into the NBA Finals?" And I guess my point is, I I don't, I don't, I don't know that there was anything they could do yesterday or the day before that would make them a a favorite for the NBA Finals. They were they were already off to a strong start.
2: You know why? Because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both playing, and so like, tell me how many games Paul Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to play. Ever since they put those two guys together, everyone's thought, well, that team's a contender when those right. two guys play. And so, to me, that, that, that remains the number one question about the Clippers. Are they going to get 65-plus games from both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Are they both going to be healthy, healthy in the playoffs? James Harden or no James Harden, if, if, if those things are both true, then, yeah,
1: like the Clippers are a contender. It's really it's all about that. Don't you think, though, that the addition of Harden – as complicated as it may be, does elevate raises, the, elevate their theoretical elevate their theoretical ceiling. Well, I think
2: it, I think even more so it elevates their floor in the regular season because you have somewhere right. some, some somebody to generate generate offense and to soak up minutes if, if Harden, if um, Leonard and George are not playing. So I think it does both. I think it raises the floor and the ceiling, but I think it raises the floor even more. Because it helps you navigate that regular season, even if those guys miss games. In terms of the ceiling, like that's going to depend on how well they play when they're all together. You know, in terms of sharing the ball. Uh,
1: You have another piece out about new movie about Priscilla Presley. Um, Tell us about the movie. Yeah, it's going to open. I think it opens in Memphis on Friday, or maybe, or maybe there's some
2: early screenings on Thursday. I think that's how they do things now. But it's it's, it's Sophia Coppola. Uh, People may or may not know who she is, but she's a notable director. Has made lots of movies. Um, most probably most notably Lost in Translation 20 years ago with Bill Murray and um, Scarlett Johansson. Um, and she and the actress who plays Priscilla Presley did a sort of a Zoom press conference earlier this week that I sat in on. And so I pulled some of the quotes from that and some other stuff and did sort of a preview story, sort of trying to think about the movie, you know, in the context of Memphis and the context of the Elvis movie that came out a year ago, sort of different ways to think about it. You know, it should be interesting. There's never been, it's based on Priscilla Presley's mid-80s memoir, Elvis and Me, and Priscilla Presley was involved sort of in the production in terms of consulting on the script and has like a producer credit and has endorsed the movie. Priscilla endorsing endorsing it, it's not the same thing as like Graceland or Elvis Presley Enterprises endorsing it, especially since Priscilla no longer has control over any of that stuff. Uh, Graceland slash Elvis Presley Enterprises notably has not endorsed this movie. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. But, but it tells the Priscilla Presley version of the story, not the Elvis version of the story. And it's done by a director who I think people are familiar with their work, as I am, think is particularly well-suited to this story. So I have pretty
1: high expectations for it. I'm interested in it. Are those versions strikingly different, the Elvis version of the story and the Priscilla version of the story? Well, I mean...
2: A, I mean, it's a different person's, it's a different yes. person's life and a different person's life ex- perspective, right? Right. And so, like, you know, the Elvis version of the story is that what's it like to be alone at Graceland when you're 17 years old, you know? And, right. And so it, it's a different person's story. But then I think a lot of people are going to be interested in how is it going to deal with, like, one of the thornier, thornier aspects of the Elvis story that official Elvis stuff does not deal with, which is she was 14 years old.
1: Right, And he was,
2: he was 24 when they, when they first paired up in Germany, he moved her to Memphis and stalled her like on the, on the estate basically. And she was like going to high school. And so like, you know, if that happened today, like that's that's a scandal.
1: Is it, um, I don't know if you know the answer to this in her, in her memoir, is that dealt with openly as a, as a pro- possibly problematic, um, notion? I, I think
2: not in the way that we talk about it today. Again, that book was written in the mid-80s. Right. Um, I think she still, she, does not, she is not critical of the relationship. You know, she, she, even after they got divorced, you know, and she, you know, I love Elvis, and she right. stayed connected to the estate. But I think there's, there's more of an awareness of it, of sort of the complications of that and acknowledge at least acknowledging it. I know one of the one of the quotes from Sofia Coppola and Zoom this week was basically, you know, making this movie now. I have teenage daughters, and so you know, I can look at that and try to imagine like, how could you possibly, you know, let your daughter go move in the great right? Right? <laughs> right. And so I don't think the movie is going to be a condemnation of right. that because I think it, it 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 does sort of privilege the Priscilla Presley perspective and it is her perspective on her life to some degree. But I think the movie is going to have an awareness of that as a thing in a way that, say, like the Boz Lerman movie, just sort of hand-waved that and didn't deal with it.
1: Uh, Pieces up at the Daily and You can read it uh, over there. And uh, Grizz tonight against Utah. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks. Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphis.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.